Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me, answer. My Lord God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Thank you. The word of the Lord. Friends, I hope you've been encouraged during this uh, Faithfully Curious series. Just to remind you, over these past four weeks, um, one of our aspirations uh, for this big 10-week series has been to highlight for us a couple of questions posed in the Bible, questions that we believe um, have lifelong transformational potential. So we've already looked at four of these evergreen uh, questions. We started on week one with where are you? We went to what are you discussing along the road as you walk along? We talked about do you want to get well? And last week, who do you say I am? Um, I have been very excited about doing this series. In fact, I will say this, that my excitement about this series has increased every week. I continue to dream up more questions that we could be covering. I think that I have enough content right now for the next three or four years to stay in this series. I'm loving the spirit of this. Um, I know Tim was telling me last week he had three different sermons. He started three different sermons last week. I had a really hard time narrowing this one down. And then something happened to me in my cubicle. I was sitting around looking at my couple, multiple ideas, and I had this sense, um, essentially the Holy Spirit started to poke around. I don't know how best to describe this, but I started hearing this voice saying something like this, Troy, what question would be meaningful for you? What, what question would be meaningful for you and not just simply interesting? I think what was going on in that moment, I think the spirit was provoking and pushing and prodding a little bit. And I feel challenged to consider what would move my heart, not just stimulate my brain. Is there anybody else that has a temptation to be only stimulated from the eyebrows up? Anybody? Okay, that's just me. I had a sense, thank you, I see that hand. I had a sense that I was being encouraged to think about this and that maybe, just maybe, maybe it will be good for our church to think about that question also. And so I sat in my cubicle two Thursdays ago And I was trying to pay attention. I was trying to bypass that part of me that only thinks. This thinking only portion of me. Anybody else? I see it back to that one hand. And I was trying to pay attention. And I was trying to listen to what was stirring deep in me. And based on today's teaching text, you might be able to guess what was the question that came up. The question that I heard echoing inside of me, the question that I sensed my heart desperately wanted to ask 
was how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And as I sat there, trying to not move too quickly past this question, it just started to seem so obvious. Of course I want to ask that question. Of course that question is lurking under the surface. Of course that question is like a low-grade volume hum bubbling all the time for me. Of course. I immediately began to think about what's going on just in the world at large. Just the dizzying amount of news coming from Israel and Palestine. I started thinking about our upcoming presidential election and all the heat that's already being generated and turned up around that. I started thinking about that landslide in northern India that crushed the tunnel and has got 40 workers trapped. I started thinking about this seven-month-long civil war in Sudan. And I started thinking about the I don't even know how long war in Ukraine and Russia. And each one of these things and all of them together, I just can't help but wonder, how long, oh Lord, how long? And then I think closer to home. I'm mindful of the number of people who have asked me to pray for their marriages recently. I, th- I think about the, prayer, the sheets of paper on my desk right now, prayers from the prayer walls in this room, and these prayers which seem to have this common theme of general sadness and always present worry. In the last two weeks, five people on our staff have tested positive for COVID. Just in the last two weeks. Our church, we're in yet another season of transition, another season of discernment, another season where we're needing to figure out what to do about these financial realities. We're needing to figure out what to do about leadership and what do we do about vision for Marceau Grand Rapids. And each of these things and all of them together, I can't help but wonder, how long, oh Lord, how long? And then I had this sense that this question wasn't just for me. I had a sense that this question might very well benefit Mars Hill Bible Church to spend some time considering how long, oh Lord. And so today, I want to share just a couple of minutes, a couple of insights into this question, and then I want you to know we're going to practice something. I didn't have a sense that I was allowed to just think about the question. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to ask you to just think about the question. I'm going to ask us to practice the question. I'm going to ask you to do something. In fact, right now, instead of going to talk to Andy, if you need something to write on, either a parchment and quill or some sort of digital device, something, in a handful of minutes, I'm going to ask you to write some things down. So just as a bit of fair warning. So this question, how long, O Lord, and the psalm out of which it comes, Psalm 13, this, we, we would call this a, this is an example of a lament. The, the author Richard Foster, he calls these prayers of complaint. I'll use those things kind of interchangeably this morning. 
And Foster is really quick to highlight in his book on prayer, he's quick to highlight how normal these prayers are. These prayers of complaint, these laments, they're really normal. And he, he wants to highlight that because some of us may feel a bit of hesitation when we come across these things. We feel hesitant to use these words to pray these prayers. And so Foster, I love this language, he says that lament, lament is not a rabbit trail, but it's a major highway. Isn't that nice? It's a major highway. Many people have traveled this way before us. And what he's trying to stress is that when we lament and when we voice our prayers of complaint, we are joining a long line of faithfully curious followers of God. This is a major highway. Even think about the book of Psalms, a a big percentage of this book is made up of these kinds of prayers, laments, prayers of complaint. These questions, these prayers of lament, they capture really well this spirit, this, this author named Lauren Wilbert. She says this, that to ask a question is to hope that what we currently know isn't the whole story. And as it relates to lament and prayers of complaint, what's implicit in these laments are What's implicit there is hope. And it doesn't look like it necessarily, but what's implicit here is hope. A hope that however dimly we recognize it, there is a hope that what we currently see and what we currently know, it cannot be the entire whole picture. That hope is there. So even the question, how long, O oh Lord, that it implies that there's, there's an ending that we're moving towards something, that there's going to be a resolution, there's going to be a conclusion that this isn't the whole picture, even though we can't see it all. You know, all the questions that we've covered so far in this series, have you noticed they've all been asked by the divine? In the garden, God asks, where are you? Jesus asks, what are you discussing? Jesus asks, do you want to get well? Jesus asks, who do you say I am? And this week in Psalm 13, we come across the first question in our series that's asked by a human. And in many ways, this question, how long, O Lord, it is the preeminent, faithfully curious question. So I'm going to look at this. What I'm going to do here for just a couple minutes, I want to sketch out the most skeletal anatomy of a lament. It's not exhaustive, but I just want to give you a sort of an outline, a little diagnosis of what a lament is made up of, what does it look like, and then I want to ask, how can this help us to faithfully express our own laments? How does this encourage us to be faithfully curious with God? That's one of the invitations today. How can we be faithfully curious with God? So here's the quick sketch. Biblical lament, all right? Again, not exhaustive, but here we go. Notice that the first thing that biblical lament does is it addresses God. The writer of Psalm 13 writes and speaks directly to God the entire time. Biblical lament is not directed at the, at the universe. It's not screaming at the clouds. 
Biblical lament is not ranting in a long post on social media. Biblical lament, it, it, biblical lament, it's not even crying with your friends or your small group. These might be okay places to begin, but biblical lament always has God as its audience. Begins there with God as the audience. Second, biblical lament always names what is wrong. While addressing God, the writer narrows in on the content of the complaint. I'm being forgotten. God is hiding from me. There's this constant wrestling with thoughts. There's this constant sorrow in my heart. There's a threat. There's a risk of being defeated by my enemies. The biblical lament is not generic. Biblical lament does the hard work of trying to name and to identify the source of the lament. Third, biblical lament asks God to act. The desire of the biblical lament is far more than the relief that comes from just getting something off your chest. That's not good enough for the lament. It asks for something specific. This is different than some kind of spiritual gripe session. It's different, it's bigger than that. It desires for things to be different and it continues addressing God by asking for specific action. There's this great book um, written in the 1970s by an Englishman. Um, I think it's just, is it practice and prayer? Pra prayer and practice, a guy named Simon Tugwell. Um, and he's, he writes this, just one small observation. It says, we are meant to ask God for things and to ask him for quite specific things. That's particularly on display in a lament. Asking for specific action. The psalmist wants God to answer. Don't forget me. Don't be hidden anymore. Give light to my eyes. And all of these requests, these requests for specific action, they're all rooted in this next observation, final observation about biblical lament, is that it trusts in God. Now on the surface, it doesn't look like that. I mean, after all, the lament is complaining, right? It doesn't look like it trusts. But a defining feature of virtually every lament, save a couple of examples, virtually every lament in the Bible returns back to confidence in God, trust in God. Verse five of Psalm 13, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Biblical lament asks God to act because there is trust in God's character. There is confidence because God has been faithful in the past so I can ask in the present for the future to be different. And what makes biblical lament so unique, again, according to Richard Foster, what makes biblical lament so unique is that we find reverence and disappointment side by side. Is that we find dogged hope 
and mounting despair side by side, that we have confidence and exasperation side by side, but in every biblical lament, there is trust in God. Now, I want to add one more thing before we practice composing our own laments, and this is kind of like extra credit. This is not necessarily explicit in Psalm 13, but I think it's true to the spirit of all biblical lament, and it's this, that biblical lament invites us to participate in the lament or participate in the pain of other people. Biblical lament invites you to join with the other, and I bring this up because I think for many of us, when we come to these parts of the Bible, we're we're tempted to skip over them. We're tempted to skip over these parts because frankly, that doesn't, that's not my life. That doesn't represent my experience. I don't have this particular reality in my life. And they can feel so devotionally distant. And so we just decide to skirt past them, to skip over them. But I want to stress that a biblical lament is an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to step outside of yourself and to mourn with those who mourn, to join with those who know the words of the lament all too well, to join with the global Christians who are very familiar with the attacks of their enemies, to join with to join with your neighbors who are very familiar with the feeling that God is hiding, to join with your family members who are very familiar with wrestling with their thoughts all day long, to join with your friends who have nagging sorrows in their hearts. A biblical lament, it's it's, it's a pathway. It's a pathway to greater identification and communion with the wider body of Christ. And that's what I want us to step into for a couple of moments. I'm going to ask you to compose your own lament. And I'm going to give you a form to follow here in just a minute. And I'm going to ask that we will join with one another in our laments in this room. Thank you for not getting up and walking out immediately. First, let me do this. Let me show you a simple form for writing out a lament. Consider this like a spiritual mad lib. You just get to fill in the gap. You get to fill in the blanks. I'll provide everything else for you. We begin addressing the Lord and we name what is wrong. Name the reality and in the spirit of Psalm 13, ask God how long will this be true? And next we ask God to act and act. ask God God to act as specifically as you are able. What do you want to be changed? Can you name the action that you desire? Can you name as specifically as you can how you want God to respond? And then name your trust. Name your confidence in God. What's the basis for your asking God to act? What attribute or what quality about God do you trust in right now, even in the middle of lamenting? And then the final line's a conclusion. It's an echo of Psalm 13. Here's an example for you. Maybe this helps as you consider what you might write. 
How long, O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord, will Parkinson's disease has a grip on our family's life? Please, God, heal and restore what is broken in the body. Bring comfort when pain and confusion are the only things that seem real. Guide the doctors to solutions and to treatments. I trust in your power. I trust in your presence in the middle of all the pain and the suffering. And I will sing the Lord's praise all my days. Maybe that's not your lament. Probably isn't. Maybe your lament is about nations constantly being at war. Maybe your lament is about a child that's really particularly difficult to parent right now. Maybe your lament is about a parent who's really difficult to be a child of right now. Maybe your lament is about a nagging habit or addiction that you just can't seem to shake. Whatever that looks like, I want to invite you to consider what you most lament right now and then compose a prayer of complaint. So Barb's gonna come and join me and we're gonna sing a lament. We're gonna sing a form of a lament while you compose your lament. And I wanna give you fair warning. I wanna want to risk a little bit. I wonder, I wonder if a couple of us might be willing to share our laments out loud in public. So that a couple things might happen. So that we might practice participating in the pain and the lament of the other. That we might mourn with another who mourns. That we might join with another. But not only that, I wonder if there might be something really meaningful about not simply writing a prayer that you know God will hear, but maybe there's something meaningful about speaking a lament that the rest of the room can hear, that the rest of the room can join, that the rest of the room can bear witness to. And so I'm just gonna make the invitation in a couple minutes Using this fo that form, if we can keep that form just up on, this, on this, this, the screen there while we do this. So let's just take a few minutes. Let's practice being faithfully curious with God. And in the spirit of Psalm 13, let's all ask, how long, O Lord?
pressure, but I wonder if, if we might lead one another. There might be a couple of people who would be willing to lament in public. Um, that we might encourage and that we might be encouraged. I'm not a big speaker in public, so. Okay, mine is, how long will my mother suffer from ALS? Losing her function one small way after the other. 
please God, heal her or end her suffering in a humane way. I trust in your power and your vengeance against evil. And I sing the Lord's praise all my days. How long, Lord, will my daughter refuse to believe in you? Please, God, draw her attention to you through your compassion and love. I trust in your mercy and grace that drew me to you, and I will sing the Lord's praise all my days. and I would like to talk about my mom, my mother too. My mother was a deceased. She, was, um, she used to go to University State, State University over, over in Kalamazoo, and she said before she passed away that she would want all of her kids to quit doing drugs. I've been clean now for 10 years, clean from doing drugs, poisoning. And I would like to say whoever, whoever had the, the strength, the power to believe in God, to have the faith, to believe, to trust. Have the power to believe and trust, because without God, you don't exist. You can't exist. This is living in a world of autonomy, and God, I believe God in so many ways is punishing certain people in certain, certain ways, and I just say, um, I'm, I'm a person of God, I believe there's only one God, and I believe there's, and I say, I say right now, Jimmy Swagner, was the last day that the world will come to an end. And God will bless you. And God will bless. Amen. How long, O oh Lord, will cancer rob and take away? and debilitate from our families. Please, God, heal, restore, bring hope, provide. Give us and our families and our caregivers and friends wisdom and all of us courage to face the unknown. God, we, together with all of you, trust in your love and faithfulness and will sing the Lord's praise all of our days.
grateful for the opportunity to bear witness and to enter in with you. Um, please find a way to invite another into your lament. Um, please find a way to routinely practice and inhabit these kinds of prayers, trusting and believing in the goodness of the one who hears them. And also be encouraged. Your prayers are not just heard by God, but God entered into this very prayer. Jesus, from the cross, prays one of the Psalms. Psalm 22, my God, my God, addressing God, naming the reality, why have I been forsaken? Jesus not just simply hears the prayers and not just simply prays on our behalf, but identifies with these prayers, has prayed the prayers himself. May that bring us hope and encouragement. And may you be met in an undeniable way as you enter into these prayers. Grateful for this church. Grateful for the courage that we have to step into things together. Thank you for that. And grateful that each week we bring ourselves uh, to this table. So Kyle, would you come and lead us here?